Okay. Uh, <laughs> the Pasha is uh, the Pasha Shmos. But what I'd like to look at is what qualities did Moshe Rabbeinu have that uh, granted him leadership of B'nai Yisrael? Uh, what was special about what was special about Moshe Rabbeinu? Um, there's another if you want another one you could have another one the small crowd so what about Moshe Rabbeinu? Like, what made Moshe Rabbeinu the likely candidate to be the leader of Am Yisrael? And apparently, according to the story that we read in the Parsha Shemot, this happened when he was very young. You know, I got this going without you. I'm proud of you. <laughs> nothing, nothing as proud as I am of myself. So, what was Moshe Rabbeinu? What was Moshe Rabbeinu? So, if you look at these psukim, the psukim, the psukim, just a few, a few notions here. Batara, Isha, Batelibe. You remember that there was a man from Levi and a woman from Levi, and they had a, they, they had a son. Batara, Isha, Batelibe, Ben, Vati, Vati, Teira, Otoki, Tovhu, Vatitzpineus, Loshayirachim. She saw his mother, Kitovhu. Tov, I mean, you look at a baby. I mean, what what is the difference between a baby that is Tov and a baby that is not Tov? I mean, what what could it possibly mean? So Rashi says, Rashi says, Kitovhu, habayit kulo ora. The house was filled with light. Can you imagine that? I mean, it's, though, it's as though God says, this is the child. This is the magical child that is born to Yocheved. Um, Rashi obviously uh, picks this Medrash because there is no clear and simple interpretation that he can give. I mean, we know that Rashi looks to the Medrash for interpretation. And that Rashi tries always, by his own admission, to give me a simple explanation, a, a pshat explanation. This is certainly not pshat. This is not pshat. So obviously Rashi felt that there was no other possibility. He had to say, he had to use this, had to use this interpretation. The next pasuk says, the next pasuk says, pasuk uh, gimel, you remember the whole story. You made a, a little a little basket, and the basket was put into the water, and somehow uh, um, the daughter of the Egyptian king found him. And uh, if you look further down at Pasuk Zayin, Vatomer Achoto El Bat Paro Ha'elech Vikarati Lach Maybe I could find a woman who could um, who could breastfeed this child, and of course it was his mother. You know, you have this this kind of a story in very many versions in the literature of the world, and um, it seems a little remarkable, but it does not explain to us who Moshe Rabbeinu was as a child. 
What was so impressive about him? Now, if you look at uh, if you look at the last pasuk in this group of psukim pasukir aleph. Vayhiba yaminahem. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Ah, yeah. Pasuk yud aleph. Vayhiba yaminahem. Vayigdal Moshe. Vayitzei el echav. Vayar besim sivlotav. Vayar besim that Moshe Rabbeinu grew up. He was a young man, and he went out into into Egypt. And he saw the suffering of the Jewish people. What does Rashi say? Well, what does that mean? His eyes and his heart felt distressed about them. He was unhappy about them. What does that mean? How would you describe this interpretation that Rashi gives? What? Okay, I don't even know what that means, but more or less, I think that it is a simpler uh, uh, understanding of Rashi. That according to Rashi, means he didn't do anything. In other words, he was unhappy. He was saddened by the situation. But he didn't do anything. The next part of the Pasuk says, Vayar ish mitzri make ish ivri me'echav. And then, He's called to action. In other words, he sees an Egyptian killing a Jew, and he goes and kills the Egyptian. Right? Remember the story? It's not what? He what? No, no. It's the Mitzri is Make Isha Ivri. But in the continuation, the person that's not here, Moshe Rabbeinu killed him. What? No, Makeh doesn't mean killing. But Makeh is what the Egyptian did to the Jew. Later on, Moshe Rabbeinu comes and he kills the Egyptian. So that there are two stages. Moshe Rabbeinu, when he goes out and he sees the situation for Klau Yisrael, he is saddened, but he doesn't, he's not called to action. But when he sees the Egyptian, beating up on the Jew, that he is called to action. That he's called to action. Now, what does Rashi say? Um, etc. He was a, an oppressor. He was one of the policemen. He was a, a nogais. Memuneh al Yisrael Vayama midam mekorot ma'amidam mekorot hagever limlachtav. He would wake them up. He'd wake them up. Korot hagever is when the when the rooster starts um, roosting or whatever the rooster does. 
to wake everybody up. So he would make them work hard all of that time. That's so that that Rashi says that this Ish Mitzri, even though the words Ish Mitzri means a Egyptian, like nondescript, without pointing at him, Rashi makes it based on the measures. Rashi makes it a little bit more careful. He is a a policeman. He's one of the people who was oppressing the Jews, right? That's what that's what it uh, that's what he meant. Take them all. If somebody else comes in, give them one. What it was. Somebody who was a Jew, another Jew. Now, 
פסוק י"א, ויקוב בן האישה הישראלית את השם. He cursed God. Who cursed God? Which one of these two people? The guy whose mother was Jewish and father was Egyptian. Right? Vayichalel, vayavio oto el Moshe. And this terrible transgression, they took him and brought him to Moshe Rabbeinu to decide what to do with him. Now, this pasuk, Perak of Dalet, Pasuk Yud Bet, Yud Aleph, Perak Yud Aleph, Pasuk Yud Aleph, the end of the pasuk is, I know it's not written on the sheet, but you have to just remember, V'shem imo shlomit matevi lematei dan. What was his mother's name? Shlomit bat divri. Now, <coughs> in other words, this Shlomit bat divri had a son, and the son did the worst possible transgression imaginable. He cursed God. I mean, I don't even know what that means, but he did something terrible. What does Rashi say? Rashi says, Makai ish ish ivri. Rashi says, that the Egyptian was beating up on the Jew in a very odd way, very profoundly. And why? Why? This Jew was Shlomit Badivri. Remember Shlomit Badivri? Her husband. He was her husband. And this Egyptian... Well, I thought she was a good-looking lady. And uh, at night, he chased the husband out of his house. And the Egyptian came back into the house and had relations with the wife. Okay. She thought that it was a husband who was coming back in the middle of the night. And then the Jewish husband came home and he realized what had happened. When the Egyptian realized that the husband knew what had happened, so, I mean, it all comes to the Medrash. I mean, we all know that it comes to the Medrash. But you see, Rashi changed the story. What was the story that we read in the Chumash? The story that we read in the Chumash was that an Egyptian was inflicting terrible punishment on a Jew. And Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu's sense of a fair play and righteousness was such that he had to protect the Jew and he killed the Egyptian. That's the story that we read. The story that Rashi tells us is a different story. That the Egyptian was beating the Jew because the Jew knew that he had had relations with the Jew's wife whose name was Shlomit Divri. And as a result, Rashi doesn't say that. But they had a child. A child was born of that union, as they say. And that child that was born of that union, <coughs> that child was the child that did this terrible thing, cursed 
God. What, what parak in Paschal Dalid, Pasuk 11. Parak of Dalid, Pasuk 11. So Rashi, Rashi is, is changing something. Rashi says, well, what do you mean Shlomit Badivri? I mean, why would Rashi tell us that? Even if there is a Medrash, and there is a Medrash about that, but what, what difference does it make? Why does Rashi have to include it? What's wrong with the story the way that's written in the Chumash? What's wrong with the story as it's written in the Chumash? So now I want to tell you something, which is based loosely on something in Rav Tzodek, in the, in the pre-Tzadik on this week's parish. But what I'm going to say is not exactly what Rav Tzodek said. So if you, you know, you have, that's why I didn't give you the text. Because I'm sort of making it up. But I'm influenced by Rav Tzodek. That's what I mean to say. Right? You know, I'm not quoting it. Because it's not exactly what he says. But it's his influence. So you see, Shemot Rabba, you see the first text from the Medrash. Which starts with the words Davar Acher, Vayar Besivlotam. You see Vayar Besivlotam? The Medrash says, Ra'ah, She'ein Lehem Menucha. He saw that the Jewish people don't get any rest. They have to keep working all the time. She'ein Lehem Menucha. Halach V'amal Paro, Mi She'yesh Lo Eved, Im eino nach yom echad b'shavua who made? He says if if you work but you don't rest one day a week. This is Moshe talking to Paro. Now Paro thought that Moshe was one of the b'nei bayit. He was in the family somehow. So he says, look, uh, you're going to lose all your slaves because they're all going to die if they work seven days a week. Uh, Im ein ata meniach lahem yom echad b'shavua heimetim. If you don't give them a day off, they're all going to die. Amarlo lech vaasei lahem k'moshe tomas. Aparo said, "Okay, I agree." Halach Moshe v'tikein lahem et yom shabbat lanuach. So Moshe Rabbeinu went and said, "Okay, all you slaves." You're getting a day off. We're going to call it Shabbat. That's the day that you're going to get, that you're going to get off. So what is it that the, that the Medrash, what, like what is the sensitivity of the Medrash to the story? We said that the Pasuk Vayabesiblotam, remember what we said? We said passive. That Moshe Abedu doesn't act. But when Moshe Rabbeinu sees the Egyptian killing the Jew, then he, then he goes, swings into action. What does the Medrash say? Vayar b'sivlotam. Moshe Rabbeinu did something. Right? He can't just stand there and look at the suffering of the Jewish people and not have, and, and that doesn't have any effect on him. That the Medrash didn't like that. The Medrash didn't accept that notion. Right? So the Medrash says, and he did something about it. What did he do about it? He gave them Shabbos. So now we have a kasha, we understand what the Medrash is doing, but we have a kasha on the Medrash. How the Medrash does it have to do with Shabbos? What does it have to do, how, how do you, why, why would 
would the Medrash go out on a limb? Everybody knows that Shabbos, even though it's mentioned in Bereshit, was kind of invented for B'nai Yisrael with the man in the parish of B'Shalach. Not the parish of Shemot. Where's the Shabbos? What, what is the Medrash talking about? Okay, you could make everything fit in with everything, but there still is a reasonable question that we ask. How did the Medrash come to the conclusion that Moshe Rabbeinu granted them Shabbat? How? Now, if you, there's another Medrash that's on the sheet. And that Medrash is based on a Pasuk at the end of the parasha. Matkonet alevinim Moshem, you see it? The amount of stones, the amount of bricks <coughs> that they have to make. Tasimu alehem. It's uh, the next, the next thing where it says Shmot. Perik hey pasuk, whatever it is. Hey, chet. He says, Yasimu alehem loti gruumi menu kimurapimheim. Don't let them, don't ease up on them. Because they're just getting weak. They're weak about, about work. They're not, they not that they can't work. Kinir Pimheim. Uh, Alkain, Heim, so Akim Lemo, Nelcha, Nizbecha, Lelokeinu. So you could say, okay, so Paro realized, Paro realized that when they got a day off, you know, you give them a finger, they take a hand. This is there, so let's, what's, why, why is one day enough? Let's take three days and go and serve our God in the desert someplace. That's what the Pulsic says. So, so Paro is catching on. Right? Paro is catching on that Moshe Rabbeinu fooled him. Even though it doesn't say that. But Paro is like really acting tough because he knows that B'nai Yisrael, he thinks B'nai Yisrael are taking advantage. Now if you look at the next Medrash, you look at the next Medrash, uh, sort of in the middle. Kinir Pimheim. Omar Ashbi. Says the fifth line. Hitchil. Mecharek alehem shina. Mecharek He was angry. You know, like you grind your teeth together when you're angry. Or, or maybe you don't. But like in certain kind of cartoon comics, they, they do that. The uh, Omer. Mepimatem. Lishon tinufu, that it's like filth. Yishtokeku atzmotav kidoshim heim. Yishtachaku atzmotav kidoshim heim. Alkein heim so akim lemol. Tichbad avodah al hadashim. He says they, they, they're just fooling. They're, they're screaming. Because they want to get an easier, an easier job. Lamed. Listen, the Medrash says, Shayabi Adam Migilot, Shabbat I don't know if you know this Medrash, but it's a famous Medrash that they had these books. Well, I don't know what the books were. Maybe they were kind of, the Rashi says in, uh, in the Parsha of Yisro, Yitro, Rashi says that B'nai Yisrael basically had the Torah from Bereshit until Matan Torah. But they had it, they had it. So maybe these Megillot are what he's talking about. These Megillot, they learned these Megillot and they would have a wonderful time 
and then they'd eat cholent, and it was just great. There was cholent and a little Torah, and, and, and Shabbos was a wonderful thing. Mishabbat le Shabbat lomar, shakarish vorchu goalan. So that's what they understood. They understood that God was interested in them, and by Moshe Rabbeinu, after it said 400 years, and 400 years is a limited amount of time, and it comes to an end. So they were, they were happy on Shabbos. Uh, you, uh, Because they rested on Shabbat. Why did they rest on Shabbat? Because Moshe Rabbeinu organized it. What was the, what did it say in the Pasuk which indicates that Moshe Rabbeinu organized it? Vayar Besivlotam. Remember, Moshe Rabbeinu Vayar Besivlotam, and therefore he organized Shabbos, and then it all got out of hand. Because people were having such a wonderful time on Shabbos, they're thinking about redemption that they didn't want to work. Or they work less and less and less, and, and, and Paro figured it out. and Paro, so Paro said, make him work harder. He says, they should work hard even on Shabbat. They shouldn't have a good time and rest up on Shabbat as though they were free. They were ready free people. So that's what the, that's what the Medrash says. So if I had to summarize, I said there are two points here. That, uh, that are hard for, hard to understand. One is that Yocheved Vayar, she saw, you see the Pasuk? It says, Vatera Otoki Tovhu. Vatera Otoki Tovhu. Rashi says, what did she see? What did she see? So Rashi says, light. There was light in the house. What does that mean? Why does it have to be light in the house? What's that got to do with Moshe Rabbeinu? The second thing that we saw was that Vayar Lotam, according to the Midrash at least, is proactive. It wasn't that he just sat there and saw that the Jews didn't do, uh, weren't having a good time, but he actually organized Shabbos for them. The third thing that we, that we learned was about, um, Shulam Shlomit Ben Divri, that this Egyptian, that we are talking about, that Moshe Rabbeinu killed, produced, or, or he was the cause that produced this person who cursed God. The worst possible, uh, possible offense imaginable came from this Egyptian and Moshe Rabbeinu killed him. Moshe Rabbeinu killed him. So there you have it. Now, everybody knows. When you say everybody knows, it means that I know nobody knows. But it means that everybody should know. What the, the, the Zohar says often, and Kabbalists repeat, that the world was created with Aleph, Bet, Yud, Ayin. Aleph, Bet, Yud, Ayin. Aleph is Amira. Vayomer Hashem Yehi Bet is bara, Bereshit bara lokim et shuvayim varas. Yud is yatsar, right? Vayitzer et ha'adam. Yud vayitzer and ayin is asa. So what does that mean? What does that mean? That these four verbs 
are the verbs that are used in the parasha of Breshit to describe God creating the world. Now, even though I haven't got a clue about what God creating the world was like, I don't know, I mean, I can't visualize it or, or feel it in any way. I nevertheless am certain that these four verbs are used in the Torah to describe that creation. And therefore, it also makes sense to me to say that these verbs might be differentiatable. That Amira is different than Bria and Yitzira and Asiya, right? That, they, that I could look further into these verbs and try to get a little more understanding about the creation of the world, which at the end of the day, I know that I'm not going to understand. But it was the Torah gives me something, gives me some information on which I can base an interpretation. <coughs> and that's called Abiyah. I don't want to talk about that. What I want to talk about is the fact that there's another verb that is not always mentioned. If you look at the bottom of the sheet, the bottom of the sheet says, Vayar Elohim et Orkitov, on day one. Right? God saw that the light was good. So you see, Or and Tov. Or and Tov. Is exactly the same as the Pasuk in, in Shemot, that his mother saw him, Kitov. And Rashi says, Or. What you see? Or, Tov. Now, what's the verb? Vayar. What? Vayar. Vayar. Now, that verb that God saw, what, what, what could it possibly mean? After all, has God created the light? Yes, God has created the light. So what does it mean to say Vayar Kitov? It's a verb, isn't it? It's a verb. Does it mean that God had to approve of God's action? You know, not such an attractive position. Not something I would like to push very hard. (coughs) Vayar et ha'or Kitov, it's often connected to Tov. And if you look at the next pasuk, which is the pasuk on the, uh, at the end of the sixth day, pasuk Lamed Aleph, Vayar Elohim, you see what the verb is? Right, the verb, Vayar. That's the verb. Vayar Elohim et kol asher asa, v'inei Tov Ma'ot. V'inei Tov Ma'ot. And what follows after Yom HaShishi? You remember? Shabbat. Now, now this is what, uh, this is what Rav Tzodik says. Rav Tzodik says that Vayar introduces a special injection into the created world. A special injection into the created world. What is that injection? What is injected into the world? Tov. Tov. What does that mean? After all, we know the Rambam explains, and most people would agree, that the world was created as a place where we, the created, can exercise free will. What do you mean we can exercise free will? Well, we can do the right thing. 
and we can do the wrong thing. And in the story in Breshit, there are several examples of doing the wrong thing. So, so I don't get it. God created the world. And God created free will. And doesn't free will mean, doesn't free will mean that we can mess up? That we can make the creation of the world a kind of a wasted effort? Isn't that, isn't that true? If we have free will, doesn't free will mean the free will to do the wrong thing? Just like Adam and Chava, they did the wrong thing when they ate from the tree which HaKadosh Baruch told them not to eat from. So what would happen if the whole world would be eating from that tree? The whole world, so the whole business would go kaput. So Rapsodic says, uh, uh, even before you get to Rapsodic, this I'll tell you something Rapsodic doesn't say. According to the Rambam, those of you who learned Hilchot Shuvah, if you know Hilchot Shuvah, according to the Rambam, the end of history is redemption. I don't mean according to the Rambam, but not according to somebody else. I'm just saying, also according to the Rambam. Also according to the Rambam, the end of history is redemption. And the Rambam says, all the Nevi'im say so. And the Torah says, That's, in other words, even if you're like weak and destitute, even if you can't make a decision that is a good decision, it'll work out. What do you mean it'll work out? That's the injection, this is back to Rabbi the injection of Tov into the created world. That it'll end up, that it'll be Tov. <coughs> that that's what will be. So that the creation, the creation has two kind of parts to it. There's the creation of Aleph, Bet, Yud, Ayin, like, like verbs. God did this, God did that, God said this, God said that. But that's, that's in the, in the story of creation. But beyond the creation, there is Tov. And God said, it has to be Tov at the end. At the end, there has to be Tov. And therefore, that was injected into the creation. What verb is used to describe the injection of Tov into the world? The verb is Vayar. That's the verb that is used. Right? We're almost there. <laughs> we're, almost, we're almost there. So we understand. We understand that the word vayar, the word vayar besivlotam here in our pasuk, interested chazal. They said, is it a passive verb? And he saw their uh, suffering, like it was a movie. He was watching a movie and everybody was suffering on the movie. Or was it an active verb? He did something. Just as HaKadosh Baruch Hu did something after each day of creation. Vayar and Tov. And the Tov Ma'od, what God did, the accumulation of all six days, brought us to <coughs> the Tov of Olam Hazeh. And the Tov of Olam Hazeh, of course, is Shabbat. Shabbat, because Shabbat, as you, you know from the Zmirot, is me, ain't Olam Haba. 
And me'en olam means, me'en olam what are the things it means, even though we don't know that much about olam haba, but we know something. And we know that in olam haba, there's no struggle between tov and ra. In olam haba, tov wins. Right? So Shabbat is me'en olam haba. So vayar tam. Means that Bnei Yisrael, Bnei Yisrael were not able to maintain the level of 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 moral and ethical goodness as slaves in Egypt that they had to maintain in order to in order to be redeemed. And who personified that? Who prophesied that? The son that was born to Shlomit, but Divri. That was the personification of Sivlotam. Sivlotam didn't mean, according to Chazal, that they suffered. Of course they suffered. But that wasn't the issue. The issue was, could they maintain the standard that Am Yisrael had to maintain in order to be able to be redeemed. So we go through the story again. Right? So his mother, Moshe's mother, when when uh, he was born, Vatera Otokitovu, Vatera. Right? He saw, she saw him. That he's told, meaning that she saw that he has the ability to make things into tov. Not, just, not, not as Rashi says, right? We'll leave Rashi aside for a moment. But that Moshe Rabbeinu was the leader of Am Yisrael because he could turn things into, into Tov. That was his, that was his special quality. And so, Vayabasivlotam, Vayabasivlotam, <coughs> means he gave them Shabbos in order to protect them against what happened to the Mitzri and the Yehudi. Which, which represent a total, uh, dissolution, dissolution of ethical standards. Right? The, uh, klala. What? No, no, but it produced a, a child that did this terrible thing. I mean, sure, that, he didn't kill her. He didn't kill her. I'm just saying the, the reality was. The reality, well, whatever the reason. Whatever the reason that they started to produce this, this terrible product, called, who is the child who went to curse God. I mean, he certainly can't have redemption in such a situation. So Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu understood that he had to do two things. One was to give Shabbat to the Jewish people, and the other was to do something about the Egyptian who was oppressing the Jew for no reason for no reason at all, who happened to be the biological uh, father of the one who eventually cursed God and would have prevented, would have prevented redemption. And this notion that vayar tov, that this verb and this uh, noun uh, together has something to do with creation, that tov is, is ultimately a necessary part of creation. It'll end up as tov. 
even though along the way we have Bechirach of Sheet, we have the free will choice to do the wrong thing. But at the end, the Vayar, Tov or Kitov or Tov Ma'od, all <coughs> means that we can, we can, uh, um, we can change things, we can do things differently. So, as I, as I tried to explain, when Chazal saw, Chazal saw that Vayar Besivlotam is an action. It's Moshe Rabbeinu changing something. So that the, the uh, leadership of Moshe Rabbeinu, even though you would think that we don't need Moshe Rabbeinu, we don't need a leader, because God is going to do miracles, and God could put up a sign and say, okay, this way, B'nai Yisrael, this way. But, but as Chazal understood it, as Chazal understood, there are a lot of nuances to the, to the experience of Am Yisrael as slaves in the tribe. And part of that experience was to try to, um, is to try to, uh, purify themselves, to make themselves worthy, even in this terrible situation that they found themselves in. And clearly, in this way of understanding what's going on, Moshe Rabbeinu was indispensable to this, to this process. Not because he made, he did miracles. That anybody could have done that. Aaron could have done the miracles, but because he worked to change the nature of, uh, of B'nai Yisrael. Have a good Shabbos.